Robin Sharma once said, change is hardest at the beginning, messiest in the middle, and the best at the end. Welcome to the True Talk Podcast. Talking about changing the narrative in relationships, self-empowerment, development, and healing. Finding peace and contentment in life. Saginaw's very own True Talk Podcast. True Talk Podcast. The podcast you didn't know you needed. In the words of Lauren Hill, it could all be so simple. Now, here's your host, Bree Trudell. Welcome back, everybody, to the True Talk Podcast. I literally can't believe we're on episode eight and we're already in November. Um, all of this is just still so surreal for me. And I'm just so thankful for you guys' support that you listen, you tune in, all your sharing, your reposting, any support in any kind of way. I'm just so thankful. So love you guys. Thank you for everything. Um, I hope you enjoyed your Halloween and were safe and had a great time. Um, I know I did. And so let's start getting into the topic for today. But before we do, I wanted to do a small recap of episode six, part one and two, and also episode seven, um, mostly because I've realized that if people are tuning in later into the episodes, that a lot of these kind of go in order. And it's really a good idea to listen to some before others for everything to really hit home and come together in a great way. And with this particular episode, you cannot really step into what we're going to talk to today until you kind of step into what was discussed in episode six, part one and two and episode seven. It really so it kind of just completes it all. And so just a small recap, just in case you are just now tuning in. Episode six, part one was about vulnerability, which we were just discussing literally what vulnerability is and how it actually is a strength versus a weakness, which we've always been told it was a weakness, but it really isn't. And that you can actually protect yourself more um, and self-love a lot more by being vulnerable in the beginning of things versus waiting like a lot of us do and how putting walls up versus being vulnerable actually doesn't protect you like people say it does. Vulnerability actually does. And just getting further into that and explaining that vulnerability is really our natural state of things and getting back to that and how just this world has really led us away from it. And then episode six, part two is touching on toxic independence And it's pretty much a branch off of what it looks like when we haven't been vulnerable our whole lives, what it turns into for a lot of us. And that's being independent to a fault and how we grow up thinking, you know, and saying we don't need anyone. We don't need a man. We don't need a a woman. And I don't need anyone. I can do it all on my own. I don't need help. And how, you know, we get this big pride of we're never going to ask for help and I can do it all by myself, but not realizing that we actually do need people. And we really do want to depend on people and have people there and in our corner. But because of our trauma and our childhood and people letting us down for so long, it taught us to never do it again because that hurt us. But realizing, you know, how we can become better at that, how stepping into healing and and getting in healthier spaces helps you have better discernment to have better people in your life so that they don't let you down and that they do show up for you and allowing people to love you in the right way and show up for you. But you got to let some of that guard down and that control off to step into interdependence and then episode seven is just um we're talking about being better and doing better as people and just showing more kindness all together and also learning to not carry trauma from one relationship to the next and bringing it with you and learning how to heal from that and leave it behind you because it's ruining your current situation it's not allowing you to be fully present in the now and how that's actually affecting everybody around you and that other people do matter and it's not just about you so 
that's just a brief recap, but I would really advise you guys, you know, if you're just now tuning in to go back and listen to those, I will be doing a recap on episodes one through five um, within the next episode or two, just because those, I love giving recaps so that people can truly just get a small glimpse of what we're talking about in any episodes you may not have listened to just yet. And so, um, I'm so excited to get into the topic today because it's not talked about enough and it is heavy, y'all. So I would advise you to grab a glass of wine or a drink and just sit down because it's going to probably make you sit down at some point. And um, so let's get into it. So the topic for today is reparenting. And I know that when you first hear it, you might automatically assume that I'm about to sit here and give you like an hour long conversation about how to parent your kids better. No, (laughs) it's not what we're talking about today. Um, I'm actually talking about the fact that we need to reparent ourselves. And I'll let that sit with you for just a second to really understand what I'm saying here. We need to reparent and reteach and relearn things from our childhoods and as we grew up and literally reparent ourselves. And by no means is this a is meant to be an offensive episode towards parents or towards towards any of our parents by no means but i've learned that a lot of the ways that we were parented was because of how our parents were parented and that doesn't always mean that everything that we learned was right or healthy or everything that we seen was healthy or right or because of some of the traumas we went through and what that led us into deciding later in life or the behaviors and the patterns and the routines and the responses and the uh, coping mechanisms that we learned from those traumas, how those get applied later, that those are healthy or those are right because they're not always right. And we've never really had somebody probably in our families who broke the curse or stopped that generational trauma and created a more healthy domino effect like we always talk about. And so today we're going to be talking about the fact of having to relearn new healthy behaviors and unlearn the behaviors you taught yourself in order to survive way back when and the things you taught yourself in order to get through those traumatic times and traumatic events and just the behaviors and the coping mechanisms you adapted to in order to deal with your traumas and learning that just because we may begin to heal and start on a healthy journey doesn't mean that we still don't carry unhealthy behaviors with us because it was a tendency, it was a routine, it was a pattern for so many years. Yeah, we can embark on our healing journey and get into a healthier space with things and and let things go or begin to let them go and begin to forgive people, but that doesn't mean that we just automatically get rid of those behaviors and those responses or those patterns. That's literally what's shaped and molded us for who knows how long. For how many ever years you're still dealing with your trauma is how long those behaviors and patterns and responses and coping mechanisms have shaped you. Because remember I said, when we undergo trauma, it changes us. It changes how we view things. It changes how we look at them, how we perceive them, how we go about things. It literally crosswires your thinking pattern and how you take things in. It'll have you thinking that toxic behavior is healthy and that healthy behavior is toxic or foreign or not something you want you know and it'll have you seriously going about life in a whole different way and walking in a very unnatural state and we've touched on that before 
So we're really going to be getting into discussing that as you begin to heal and get into a healthier space, that also requires you to have to relearn and begin breaking bad habits and bad thought patterns and bad coping mechanisms and bad responses and routines and patterns that you picked up along the way throughout your life because, again, you were probably trauma-led for so long that none of these things seemed abnormal to you. They didn't seem wrong. They didn't seem bad. It's literally what you learned in order to cope and deal with everything that you went through and how to survive through life. But it didn't show you nor allow you to live. So now that we're beginning to step into healing and being more vulnerable and being better, we got to talk about the relearning and rewriting process and reparenting in order to really start living versus just surviving. And not only just living, but living in a healthy way, having healthy relationships with others and yourself, learning to have self-love. Because one thing I want to put out there before we even get going today is everything that we discuss is a form of self-love. People always talk about self-care and loving yourself and doing things for you. Okay, well, I'm not talking about going to get your nails done and your eyebrows done. I'm talking about the real work that truly shows yourself that you love yourself, which is getting back to your natural state. It's healing. It's being in a healthier space. It's finding peace. It's finding contentment. It's living in a state of gratitude. It's, you know, learning to be more present in your life. It's learning to start being vulnerable and showing people who you really are from the jump so that you can have the right people around you versus letting people skid by for years and then finding out they don't care. It's learning to be interdependent with people and that you can really depend on them and count on them versus feeling like you have to do everything on your own. So that is what I mean by self-love is everything we discuss is a form of it. And this is really a form of it of relearning healthy behaviors so that you can really have the best relationships with others and yourself and truly live a a healthy life and not just be kind of operating off of all the behaviors you learned just from being in survival mode you know or post-trauma so I just wanted to make sure I said that as well before we really get into everything so you guys ever know anyone or maybe you went through this where when you were a kid your parents didn't really show up for you emotionally, maybe the way they should, or your emotions weren't cared for, intended to appropriately. And anytime you showed emotion, it was pretty much told to you to shut up, toughen up, suck it up, get it together, tighten up in some way, shape, or form. It was never where they were trying to understand why you felt that way or, you know, uh, console you in that moment. It was more so figure it out, get it together, like, I don't want to hear you you know? And so they never really allowed you to have many emotions. And when you tried to have them, it wasn't like they were cared for anyway. So as you get older, you learn not to be emotional at all. And you learn to be this very numb, emotionless person who hardly ever shows emotion. And whenever somebody tries to get emotional with you, you kind of just look confused or you get very uncomfortable and you usually leave or walk away or try to avoid the situation or change the subject or you shut down. Um, or if you were that kid where whenever you needed something or your needs in general were put out there, they were never cared for correctly and you were never made to think 
that you mattered much, that your needs mattered at all. And so as you get older, you start to put everybody else's needs before yours, and you never think about yours because, well, nobody else really cared for them when I had them and tried to show them, so it teaches you that they don't matter. Or maybe you were that kid who a parent was kind of absent, and you started picking people as you got older that you had to kind of chase for their love, beg for their love. They were inconsistent people. They showed up when they felt like it. Um, They were usually emotionally unavailable. And it mimics exactly the absent parent you never had and what you were longing for from them. I see that a lot too. But I'm bringing all this up from our childhoods to say that this kind of stuff shapes and molds who we become as we get older. And it's trauma in its own way. And mind you, this isn't touching on the trauma, the other trauma you've probably been through. But remember how I said we select people as we get older, whether it's friends or relationships that mimic our trauma or that are comfortable to us as a comfort zone or something that we know. And so it usually means we select the wrong people, not the greatest people to be in relationships with or to be friends with, because it's comfortable. It's a comfort zone. It's not foreign to us. And we kind of have developed these unhealthy behaviors. So like I said, if your parents didn't emotionally show up for you, now you're a very emotionless person. You're very numb. You don't like to show emotion. When everybody, whenever, whenever somebody tries to bring it out of you, you shut down or you run away. It's a fight or flight response. And you also become this person who puts everybody's needs before your own. And then when you finally need something, you get mad at everybody else if they don't show up but don't realize that You've always been this person that never needed anything from anybody, you know, purposely showed people that your whole life. And now that you do, you wonder why it's so foreign to somebody else as to, okay, well, you've never needed anything. And now you do. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? Like, you're teaching them how to treat you along the way and that you don't need anything. And then when you do step into needing something randomly, you wonder why they look at you kind of confused Like, well, where is this coming from? You've never needed anything before. You've always been so strong. Even though all along you you did need things, but you were taught that it didn't matter. And now when you randomly bring it back out, it's being shown to you again that it doesn't matter. But it's not necessarily that it doesn't matter. But you don't realize because of your trauma that it shaped you to be this person who always put your needs on the back burner. So then you teach people to do the same thing. And then when you try to pull them back out, it's foreign to everybody in the situation. And it's just a reoccurring pattern. You have to realize that you have to reteach yourself and relearn that your needs do matter. But anyway, you become that person. Or chasing people who are emotionally unavailable or who come in and out when they feel like it, you start to learn because of your absent parent that that's normal and that that's okay and that's how it's supposed to be and if anybody comes around that is just there and you don't have to chase them and they are present at all times they're not inconsistent they're dependable it scares you and you don't want it and it's foreign to you and what is this like uh uh-uh. you see how trauma rewrites how we look at things or on the other end maybe because of your traumas you select all these different people right and like i said we don't select the best people to be in relationships with which then adds on to our trauma and shapes even more bad behaviors but let's say you've been with a lot of crappy different people in relationships and you've learned that anytime somebody doesn't respond to your text message or your phone calls for a couple of hours they are cheating on you 
or they've lost interest in you or they're doing something that they're not supposed to be doing because in your last two or three relationships you got cheated on every single time and it was always because it was somebody wasn't responding for a few hours and then you would it taught you to go pop up at their job or pop up at their house and you always found that they were cheating on you or weren't doing what they said they were doing and were doing something they weren't supposed to be and so that specific event of not responding has taught you to have that behavior to go pop up and act crazy and get all upset because of what happened from those people who just simply mishandled the situation. So now you have a bad association in your mind with the event and you've developed a response to it and now anytime it happens, it's a trigger for you. Same with your emotions not being tended to when you were younger. Now anytime somebody tries to get emotional with you, it makes you uncomfortable. It puts you back in that space of they don't matter anyway, never had to be this way, so I'm going to shut down because it triggered you in that moment. You see how we've learned very bad responses and behaviors to events when it's not the event that's bad. It was the people who mishandled it that was bad. Somebody not responding for a couple of hours is not bad. That's actually very common in a mature, healthy relationship. We all have jobs. We all have lives. A lot of us are getting older. We like to nap. We like to go to sleep. We, we have things going on, and it's very common to not be able to talk to each other all day long. And to have the idea that if you don't respond to me within an hour or two, or some people within 20 to 30 minutes, what are you doing? You're doing something you're not supposed to. You're popping up at their job, popping up at their house, all because you've associated the event with something bad. And now this is how you respond. What we have to learn here is that just because somebody mishandled and abused a situation or didn't show up for you the way they should have in situations, whether it was your childhood or a relationship you got into or a friendship or whatever, we can't associate the event as bad and then have all these different triggers and responses to them. And I know somebody will say, well, girl, like every time I dated somebody and they didn't respond, every time they were doing something that they shouldn't have been. And I would have to come back and say, well, again, like I say in a lot of episodes, we really can't have this conversation until you get into a healthier space and you start stepping into vulnerability and you start having better discernment in who you choose to have around you and who you choose to date because all these people were selected out of your trauma. So I bet you anything that was the case because you probably were dating the same person over and over again, just in different forms. It's what happens when you're being trauma led. We can have this conversation when I know you're in a healthier space and mindset to choose better people and have that better discernment, which comes with healing and, and taking those initial steps into healing and not letting yourself be trauma led. But until then, we can't have that conversation. And I, I can I definitely feel you. You know, I definitely understand, but you also were picking 
bad people because of your trauma. So I'm not surprised that that happened. But my biggest thing here is we cannot associate an event of not responding for a few hours or let's say somebody always was getting cheated on in their relationships and every time they found out they were being cheated on through going through their phones, right? So now you have a bad association with a cell phone, with the the actual object. Now you feel some type of way about phones. And when you get with somebody, the first thing you do is go through their phone, whether they gave you a reason to or not or made you feel you had to or not. It's just something you do now because of what other people have done to you and what you found through the phones. You've associated cheating with cell phones or when somebody flips their phone face side down or maybe they take their phone to the bathroom with them or maybe they don't always leave their phone around you. You automatically associate those events taking place as somebody cheating on you because that's what's happened to you before. This is what I mean by you're carrying trauma with you. This is a behavior and a pattern and a response you've learned through traumatic events that you've been through. But here's the thing. It wasn't necessarily the event that was traumatic. It was the person who mishandled you that caused the trauma. The event itself of somebody taking their phone with them or putting it face down isn't necessarily a bad thing it's just what was associated with it from the person that made it bad what they did and how they abused it is what made it bad because let me tell you one thing some people take their phones with them to the bathroom to kind of just have their own little moment and chill in there I mean phones have literally replaced magazines and newspapers and whatever else it's very normal when people do that it's also sometimes very normal when people put their phones you know, face side down on the table because maybe they're trying to give you all their attention and show you that. Maybe they're trying to let you know, I'm not worried about my phone. My, my attention is completely on you. And it has nothing to do with cheating. So you get what I mean, how we have developed very bad behaviors and responses to things because of trauma we may have went through. But the first thing we have to understand before we can even repair in ourselves and relearn is we have done a really bad job at associating events and things, physical act, you know, actions taking place with it being bad versus realizing it was just the person who mishandled it that was bad. That's what you have to understand first and foremost. So another thing to go along with understanding that is also knowing, and this is a big thing you have to tell yourself when you begin reparenting yourself because it's not easy, guys. It's a constant challenge and struggle with yourself and a conversation you have to have with yourself every single day when you start to find yourself being triggered and th- those old behaviors and patterns and responses want to pop out because, oh, trust me, they will. They will all the time. What you have to constantly know, though, and tell yourself this is a big part you got to say to yourself and have a conversation where you have to tell yourself that this is not that. This is not the same situation. They're not my dad who wasn't there. They're not my mom who maybe wasn't there. Or they're not the person who cheated on me in my last relationship. This is a different person. They're not them. So when these events take place, understand the events aren't bad. And this is not the same person that may have hurt you or didn't show up for you in whatever way you needed them to. This is not the same thing. Do not associate events with bad things or a bad thought process understand it was the person before who mishandled it it wasn't the event necessarily 
So understand that when I'm talking about all this as well, just know that I'm talking about it in a place where we are now stepping into healing and being more vulnerable and picking better people. So these are all healthy people that we're dealing with now. And say you're in a healthy relationship now or dating someone and they work at eight to five and they don't respond for a few hours because they're busy. Understanding that when that little trigger goes off in your head that, okay, well, I know he's at work, but he ain't responding to me like, uh uh-uh, like, is he talking to somebody else? Like, uh uh-uh, I need need to know, I need to know. Or is he uninterested in me? Or is his time being put elsewhere? Like, that is a trigger because of what's happened to you before in this event. But you have to tell yourself that this event is not bad. This is healthy for this to happen in a mature, healthy relationship. He's at work. He's probably busy. This is not that. And I'm telling you right now, a lot of you are listening to this right now and are probably shaking your heads like, girl, I just can't. It's you're telling yourself you can't. But you know deep down that that is a very bad association to have with just somebody not responding for a few hours. You've got to know deep down where that comes from. We all know where it comes from. So now that we have enough self-awareness to know where it comes from, that's an amazing tool and skill you develop through healing to have to even begin reparenting, because I'm trying to tell you, you can't even begin to to know what you need to reparent or for things to even be triggers to you if you don't have self-awareness. Because without self-awareness, you just be operating and not thinking anything's wrong. Self-awareness is knowing that how you're responding to things is probably not the best. But now we're talking about how we can be better at it versus just knowing it's wrong and not knowing how to fix it. Now we're talking about how to fix it. When those triggers happen, you have to talk yourself down. And talk yourself through it every time. And it may seem redundant, but I'm telling you, you have to talk yourself through it every single time that when it happens, this is not the same thing. He's not him. This is, this is healthy. It's okay. You know, maybe he fell asleep. I get it. Usually sometimes he, you know, he just randomly falls asleep. I'm sure he'll, I'll, I'll hear from him later. He ain't cheating. It's not that. You really got to talk yourself through it because what you went through was traumatic. I'm not going to say it wasn't. Never going to neglect that. But it was the person who made it traumatic, not the event, the actual physical action. And that's where we've went wrong with a lot of this. And we've carried it with us. When somebody puts their phone face down, don't look at it and make this little face like, "Mm, he don't want me to see who's texting him. No, that's not always the case. Especially when you get with somebody healthy, which is the people we should be picking at this point. That's not always the case. I know a lot of people who do that to show the person they're dating or who they're with that you have my undivided attention and I ain't worried about my phone. I don't want it face up to even be distracted to look at it if something does pop up. It's not about me texting other people. I want you to know my all my attention is on you. Some people even put their phones away. They don't want them out at all because they want their full attention on you. And you have to stop associating that behavior that they're doing or that event with something bad and then responding crazy. And let me tell you, the reason why this is so important is because we do a lot of healing initially with ourselves, right? And then we get back out into the world and then we have these different triggers that bring out of us what we need to start reparenting, which is why I say there's a part of healing that we do with other people. Remember how I said there's a part you do with yourself. And then there's a large part you do with other people. This is the part because 
when you're healing on your own, you're not really engaging with anyone. It's just you, you know, and you're just dealing with yourself every day. So how could you possibly be triggered by anything if you're not dealing with anybody else or anything? People will bring out of you what you need to reparent all the time with different situations and events that take place and just whatever. And they help make you better if you allow it to make you better. Or if you have a bad response to all of it and you always choose to just run away and never deal with these, your healing will never be solidified, in my opinion. Because triggers do show you things you need to continue on healing from and rewrite and relearn. Like healing, growing, and learning is all like a big, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It just kind of all just goes into one group. You heal, you grow, you learn. The learning has to be there. And if all you ever do when you get triggered is just mold over it and just always say, well, it's because of what I've been through, so I just need you to respond quicker. Or it's just because of what I've been through, so I, can you just leave, can you just turn your phone upside, upside? It just makes me feel better. Here's the thing. When you explain to your partner and you're being vulnerable, we've talked about this in episode six, part one. When you're being vulnerable with your partner, You should be able to, of course, yes, explain what you've been through, how much you've worked on things, where you're at with your healing and what you're still working on. What are some triggers for you? Yes, you explain all that so that they understand where you're at. And as long as you are in a healthy space, I would imagine you picked a healthy person at this point. And you should be able to explain all these things and that they understand and they'll care and tend for them. But just because they'll care and tend for them doesn't mean we don't talk about the other side of, Yes, they can do those things to make you feel better, but at what point are you going to start healing from that and not need them to do that? Sometimes you guys let your triggers and and, and somebody tending to them and trying to help you through your healing, you let it just become a crutch. You never actually get over it. Because, okay, you could explain that to your partner and they start leaving their phone out more or leaving it around you more just to make you feel comfortable, but the second they don't, you start tripping again. Did you ever really heal from it or let it go? Or are you just requiring them to do that just to make you feel better? No, that's not relearning and reparenting. You're using it as a crutch. You're molding over it. So if you're always that person that's just molding over triggers, you're never really healing more. You just stopped at when you stopped initially doing it with yourself. Now that you're with, you brought other people into the picture, you stopped healing. This is a part of healing that you have to continue on doing so that you're hardly ever triggered by anything to where it's completely changing how you operate. Because like I said, we're never done healing. And when you go through trauma, I'll never ever expect you to just for it to never affect you in some kind of way. But when you operate off triggers like this, it's literally changing how you completely operate. And until you heal from it enough to where it's not doing that anymore, you're just molding over it. You're never, you're never growing. You're never becoming better. And all that healing you did on your own will never really be solidified if you don't do this part. And the crazy part about it is you did all that and thought you were in this healthy space, right? Which you are. You're in a healthier space. But you get with somebody and you still do these things and you still respond with all those bad behaviors and responses and coping mechanisms and you never decide to work on them or change them. And you just use what you've been through as an excuse all the time. Like I said, A, somebody will only deal with that for so long. And B, the crazy part about this is that person will begin to look at you like you're the toxic person. Because you are. You have turned 
back into a toxic person regardless of all the healing that you've done because you're refusing to do this part. This is a part of healing, is working through triggers. Triggers are meant to be pulled out of you by other people and in situations and events to show you what else you still need to heal from and rewrite, really, and relearn. That's what this is. So now that we have a better understanding of what we need to do here and why it's so important and that this is a daily challenge that we have to have with ourselves and challenge what we've always done, how we've always responded, our behaviors, um, and understand that it's a conversation you have to have with yourself every time that there's a trigger and talking yourself down. Um, The reason why I say that too is because a lot of times when we're triggered, and we're, you know, embarking on healthier relationships and a healthier journey, we initially like to point the finger at the person who triggered us. But let me tell you, I just explained why things are a trigger for us most times, and it's because of an event taking place. But that doesn't mean that the event is bad. We've associated it with being bad, so we cannot point the finger at the person who may have brought the event back into place or done the action as if it's a bad thing of what they're doing no we need to point the finger back at us to try to figure out why we are associating this as bad and reacting the way we are you got to have some accountability here it's a normal reaction to want to point the finger like well if you would have never did that i would have never reacted this way no 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 because I see this too much. Well, if he would have never, if he would have just responded or if he would have just kept the phone, I would have never. No. People, like I said, you're using it as a crutch now and you're making an excuse to not be better. You're molding over it. It is a normal thing to want to point the finger first, but I'm telling you, when you go to do that, you need to turn the finger right back around and point it at yourself and say to yourself, okay, understand that the event is not bad the action taking place is not bad. You need to sit there with yourself and really try to understand where this comes from as far as why you think it's bad and why you're responding this way and where that comes from. And then gradually not only explain this to your partner, of course, or a friend or whoever you're getting triggered by. Of course, explain this because I'm more than certain if you explain this to your partner It will make sense to them more and they won't get as upset by your responses and they'll try to work with you and help you through this. Remember I said the right person who is meant for you, you will be able to be vulnerable and explain what you've been through and where you're at and they will help you through this. They will. Friends too. Anybody who is close to you after you've done a lot of healing and that's more in alignment with you and you have better discernment and you're picking better people, those people will help you through this. But you also have to to explain and be vulnerable enough to tell them as well. But although you will explain this to your partner, you actually have to still do the self-work to start working on this. You have to sit with yourself and really try to figure out and understand where it comes from. And like I said, you have a lot more self-awareness now from a lot of the healing you've done, which is amazing. So now I bet you anything you'll be able to pinpoint exactly where it comes from. And now you have to start making the steps at rewriting And allowing your partner to help you through rewriting that because they'll show you each time like, okay, now I know she kind of trips if I don't respond. So maybe moving forward, when it's been a few hours, I'll make sure I call her like, hey, babe, you know, 
I got caught up at work, got in a meeting. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't respond for a few hours. I was just busy. They will have more self-awareness themselves to know maybe adding things here or there and doing things a little different will help you with this. But you have to do the work on the other end and not point the finger at them as if your triggers and your responses are their fault. It's not their fault. You need to point the finger at yourself and figure out why you're associating this event as being bad and why you're responding that way and start changing it and rewriting it and understanding that this is not that. This is a huge part. This is a huge part of it. Accountability, guys. Accountability. And with this is another huge thing that I've harped on a lot in episode six, part one and two, and especially seven but definitely just the three, is there's a reason why healthy relationships and interdependence and learning how to be vulnerable, why those episodes are so important to to kind of bring all this together in this one is because, and why I harp on having them, is because this is the part you do with other people. And having a solid foundation around you when you're trying to relearn and rewrite healthy behaviors is so important. It is so important to have the right friends, family, partner in your life to help support you during this time and talk through things and relearn that, okay, that wasn't good. Like, I need to do this better, but I'm trying to figure out how. And it's, it's really an amazing thing and honestly a necessity. It's essential to have a strong, solid foundation. And mind you, this is quality over quantity. When you go through your healing journey and you step over, you step into a healthier version of you, a lot of those surface level people and relationships will just die off and be left in the past. You ever hear somebody say like, it's okay to outgrow people? Well, like I said, heal, grow, learn. When you're healing and stepping into a different part of you and becoming better, you outgrow people. And that's completely normal. So a lot of those surface level relationships that you were entertaining for however long, because like I said, a lot of people operating off of trauma don't want anything real or deep. They, they pick people that mimic their trauma. Those aren't real relationships. Those people don't really care about you, um, whether it's romantic or friendship. So those will die off usually by this time. They don't make it through your healing process. They don't make it through because they don't really care about you. They don't really support you. They're not really there. They'll die off and be left in the past. And now with the circle that you have, whether it's just friends or whether it's friends and a partner, these people are so pivotal to support you and be your foundation through this because rewriting and relearning something that's, that you've been doing for who knows how long is very challenging and it's not easy, guys. I'll never make it seem like it is, but it is so much easier to do it with a foundation and with others than it ever will be with yourself and Honestly, the way I look at it right now, I really don't think you would even be able to do this by yourself. Because like I said, it takes people to trigger you to bring out what you even need to reparent. And most times, reparenting and relearning and rewriting is extremely uncomfortable. It's because of situations you're put in that are uncomfortable to you or that trigger you in some kind of way. And whenever we get uncomfortable as people, what do we normally do? We walk away, we run away, we go the opposite way, we avoid it, we try to mold over it, we try to change the subject, we do whatever we can to get away from it because we don't like being uncomfortable. That's just a human reaction to a lot of things. But with uncomfortability comes growth. You cannot grow without being uncomfortable. So when you're triggered, what does it make you feel? It's uncomfortable. It it 
gives you this weird feeling, like an uneasy feeling. When somebody's challenging you to be more emotional or open up, it's uncomfortable. When somebody's trying to make you feel like your needs matter and they never have to you, it's uncomfortable. When somebody's challenging you to start being more vulnerable with them and get deep and you've never been that way, it's uncomfortable. So what do you do? Your natural response is to run. Your natural response is to leave because you don't want to be uncomfortable. You avoid it. And it's so pivotal to have a solid foundation around you, friends, family, partner, because they will help bring this out of you. They will help hold you accountable with yourself. They will help you through. If they know you normally shut down when things get like this or they know how you normally respond, they will make sure like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, we need to talk about this. Let's talk. Let's do this. Or uh, uh-uh-uh, we're not going to respond like that. We're going to figure this out. That ain't the way to do it. Because you've been vulnerable enough to explain these things. And also, they care enough to pull this out of you. They care enough to help you through. If you're friends with somebody or you're in a relationship with somebody and they're working on these things and you don't ever feel the need to support or help them through, then what is your point of being there? The whole point of having a solid foundation and being with somebody as a partner or being friends with somebody or family, whatever, and you're in their circle, the point is we're supposed to help each other be better. We're supposed to support each other and and, and be there through all the hard times and the good times. We're supposed to support and make each other better. This right here is a huge part of helping somebody be better, is not letting them fall back into those bad habits, responding the wrong way, and letting trauma ruin their life. It's helping them. When they've stepped into vulnerability and explained to you what's going on with them and why they do these things and what they're trying to work on, you then support them and help them work on it. That's what you do as a support system. Whether you're a partner of theirs, a friend of theirs, family, that's what you do. Otherwise, what are you doing? And for the person who's working on this, if you don't got people in your life who care enough to help you with this, but mind you, you have to step into vulnerability first and let them help you and learn interdependence and stop acting like you have to do everything on your own. You have to do all the things we've already talked about first to be fair to the people around you to even help you. But as long as you've done those things, and you've explained where you're at and, and you've, you've been vulnerable with them and you've let them into what you're going through and what you're trying to be better at and you're learning how to be interdependent and, and show people that you do need them and whatever else. If you don't have people in your circle that care enough to help you with these things and they don't show up and they don't support, then they're not real friends. They're not the person and then they're not the person you should be with. But having a solid foundation around you is extremely important because they will be the pivotal people to help you. Remember what I said in episode six, part two. It is so much harder to do things on your own. It is so much easier to do things with others for people to help you. And that is because they don't let you sit in your comfort zones. If you leave things up to yourself, because this is just who we are as human beings, and just how people are. If you leave somebody to try to do this by themselves, all they will do is talk themselves out of most things, try to avoid it the best way they can, and they will sit in those comfort zones. That's what people do when they don't have solid foundations around them to help them be better and pull it out of them. That's why I always say you will reach new heights you never even thought you could with the right people around you versus trying to do things by yourself. Because a lot of us just love to sit in comfort zones. And until somebody pulls it out of us, that's how we'll always be. 
And remember all the things I listed not that long ago as far as the things that make us uncomfortable? Usually when we're being triggered and whatnot, you notice that when I was saying like somebody trying to make you, you know, kind of be more emotional or tap into that emotional side or making you not shut down and communicate through things or making you step into vulnerability more and be more vulnerable or um, making you feel like your needs matter. Anything that's going against what you've always learned or what you've always known, making you uncomfortable, you not realize that all those things are healthy things. Those are things that are good for you. That is why this whole topic is so important, but also why I'm harping right now on having a solid foundation and why just being a better you and the things that you can do on your end to then have healthy, solid people around you, and people who care why that's so important for you in general is because people who truly care about you will also know that you heading into this direction and you wanting to work on these things and the way you've always responded, they'll understand that trying to help you through this is for the betterment of you and you deserve all these things. This, these things are healthy and we're going to help you as your friends or I'm going to help you as your partner understand that this is good for you to do, this is good for you to embrace, that you need to start working and relearning and rewriting because it's for the betterment of you because all these things that are triggering you and making you want to respond the wrong way are actually good for you. They're not hurting you anymore. Those people aren't these same people anymore and those events aren't bad and this stuff isn't hurting you. This is good things for you. Somebody making you want to, you know, try to be more emotional or somebody challenging you to be more vulnerable or somebody making you feel like your needs matter or somebody showing up for you and being present and showing you everything you've never had. All these things are so good for you. And as a friend, I will not let you ruin this. And as a partner, I will not let you keep going back into your hole and being that person who was never loving you, you know, being that person that you never had self-love with. Because everything that you've done up until you started healing was not self-love. It was the complete opposite. Every surface level relationship that you entertained, every bad person you let in to just add on to the trauma, all the shutting down, all the feeling like your needs didn't matter, all the emotions you kept locked in, all the toxic independence that you had, all the times where you really wanted to be vulnerable, where you never could because you, you don't know how you've programmed yourself not to be. Everything you've done Every behavior response that you've learned, every every pattern, every coping mechanism you've learned since you were younger and through everything until you got to your healing stage is hindering you and was the opposite of self-love. It was unfair to you. But it became a comfort zone to you, but it was a completely unhealthy comfort zone. And so somebody who truly cares about you will understand this. And that is why I say it's so pivotal to have people around you who truly care because they will also understand this too. And know that these are good for you and they're not going to sit back and watch you ruin your life. But you also have to have that self-accountability and self-love and love yourself enough to not let you ruin your life. Everything we're practicing with every episode is self-love like I touched on earlier all of these things are self-love having people around you who truly care about you now having a partner who truly cares and will let you be vulnerable with them and tend to every need having people around you that you can depend on you don't have to do things by yourself anymore having people that don't let you just be selfish and, and live in survival mode but let you know that hey you can care about me and pour into me and I'm gonna do it right back you don't have to just keep pouring into yourself having these things in your life is self-love doing this for you but it's so important to have people around you too who love you as well 
that will understand all this too. And just knowing that a lot of what makes you uncomfortable and that comfort zone we love to sit in and the things that challenge it at this stage in our life and what triggers you're dealing with are actually most times healthy for you. They're just foreign to you. And I will briefly for just a second, because I know there's people listening who may have dealt with physical abuse and that is a very traumatic thing to go through and I'm so sorry that you did but it still goes along with what I said as far as your partner or just someone who cares about you physically touching you the act of it the event of it isn't what's bad it's the person who abused that physical act that's bad And so anybody out there who's dealt with physical abuse, understand that first and foremost, that is not healthy, of course, and that's not what you should learn. That's love or pick that up or take that to any any other relationship and start implementing that yourself. But also understand that having a new partner in your life, a healthier one, it's so pivotal to be vulnerable with them and explain this to them. Because I can guarantee you if it's the right person, they will hold that with so much care and will tend to it and help you through. But understand that your partner physically touching you in a healthy way isn't traumatic. That's healthy. They're loving you. And so I get your first reaction and your response, especially going through something like that in your past. I get your first initial reaction maybe being to jump or pull away, or not want it, or it makes you uncomfortable and you want to walk away. But this also still goes with everything else we're talking about today. You have to reparent yourself. As hard as I know it is, you have to reparent yourself to understand that this person is not the one who hurt you. That physical touch in general by your partner is not bad. The person just misused it in the past and abused it, and shame on them. But Don't be unfair to your new partner or yourself by never letting them touch you because of what somebody else did. Understand that this new healthy person just wants to love you and they're not going to hurt you. But you have to tell yourself that. You have to reparent and rewrite that in your head. And I, I just wanted to touch on that briefly because I know that's a very sensitive topic for a lot of people. And I will never, ever make it seem like any of this is easy, guys. I know it's not, but it's also something we have more than enough strength to do. And with the right people around us, we can do anything. So just know that you have to rewrite that, too. That they're not them. Do not associate physical touch in general with a negative thing. It's not. That person just misused it and they abused it. So I'm going to, um, in a second here, list out some healthy alternatives to what healthy behaviors and coping mechanisms and responses look like. Um, Because I do talk about these topics with people I'm closest to sometimes and um, I get their feedback. And I know one of my friends was like, well, maybe you should kind of just give a few examples of what healthy responses and behaviors look like versus bad ones so that people can kind of have an idea because some people really don't know what healthy behaviors are 
and they've literally only operated in the one way their whole life and just they really don't think what they're doing is wrong or they do start healing but they are getting triggered so much and they just don't know the appropriate way to fix it mind you i would hope that whomever's in your life at this point could help you through that too but sometimes you know that's not always the case so i am going to list those out i think that's a great idea um in just a second here but i know i may be having some people who are listening who are stubborn <laughs> and hard-headed and really just don't think that how they're handling things is wrong and that they they may think that they don't need to reparent themselves and relearn that people just need to adjust accordingly around them and that's because the way they may be responding to things is not their fault here's the thing though i think people love blaming other people at a certain point in their life to kind of keep them away from having to heal keep them away from having to change keep them away from having to grow they love blaming other people and sitting in that their whole lives so that they never have to be accountable to change or to grow and that's also called sitting in your comfort zone it's comfortable and it's a coping mechanism for you to just blame everybody else as to why you act the way you do and respond the way you do but until you sit with yourself and realize that a lot of what's happened to you, your childhood, obviously, you could, that was not your fault. I get that. But we've talked about not carrying things with you and starting on that healing journey. And a lot of the things that got added on after that was you operating in your tra- trauma and choosing the wrong people, the wrong situations, the wrong friends that added on to it. So when are we going to start taking some accountability that it is up to us to be better for us? We have to start healing. We have to start reparenting and rewriting. We can't just sit in that and live in that. You will never become better. And you will never have good, healthy relationships. Because like I said, nobody wants to deal with that. That is living in the victim mindset like we talked about in episode seven. That is not fair to everybody else. You cannot carry that and blame the world as to why you respond like this all the time or why you have behaviors like this. Like, yes, we know you've been through things, but now it's time to start working on them and reparenting and rewriting because what you've learned all these years is not right. What you've picked up on and what you think is normal and and right, it ain't right. And it's not fair for yourself or anybody else for you to keep bringing that into new friendships and relationships and expecting somebody to deal with that and accept that you have a choice to be better you have a choice to start working on these things and stop sitting in that i'm gonna blame the whole world for my problems no at what point do we sit and take some accountability that's all i'm saying you have a choice to be better you have a choice to do things differently than what you've always done because what you've been doing hasn't done you any good I'm sure and it hasn't landed you in the best relationships it's not healthy for you it hasn't landed you in the best mental space I'm sure and it's gonna lead you into needing to heal one day anyway I hope but just know that once you get there that you cannot continue to keep operating like this When you begin to step into healing and when you start to get into a healthier space, you will not be able to keep doing those same things because they didn't get you anywhere good. Healing and reparenting gets you somewhere good. So you can't keep operating the same way. You got to change. You got to grow. 
It's just what comes with it. But I understand through all of this that this part is not the easiest because it is literally requiring you to challenge everything you've ever known, everything you've learned, every behavior you have that you've been operating in your whole life and that's shaped and molded you. It's, it's requiring you to challenge all of that and rewrite it. Not everything, but a lot of it. But it's what's best for us. Because like I said, unfortunately, a lot of what we learned when we were younger and a lot of what we picked up on and what we've seen and what we learned from a lot of the trauma chosen, I would like to call relationships, is not healthy. It's not right. And we need to rewrite it. So that's where we're at with that. <laughs> but now we're going to get into just me listing out some of the healthier alternatives to bad behaviors and responses and coping mechanisms. So the first one is communicating through whatever makes you feel like you want to shut down and not talk or distance yourself for a while and let things blow over before you come back. You need to communicate through those things versus shutting down. And if, like I said, if you need to explain that to the people closest to you, like you feel me starting to shut down, please drag me out of it. If you feel me starting to get quiet, please make me talk. You know, you got to express these things and they'll know too. But communicating through whatever it is that makes you feel like you're about to shut down, you got to talk through it as hard as it may be. You got to talk through it. The next one is um, learning to get out of that fight or flight mentality or that mode, because all it really is is a defense mechanism, but it's not a good one. Because like we said, trauma literally rewrites how your brain uh, perceives things and Usually that will kick into gear inside of you whenever something's foreign to you, whether it's good or bad. And we don't want to be living in a fight or flight mentality with things that are good for us. And most times, like we said, a lot of uncomfortable foreign things, when we, we, we begin to heal and, and start on a healthier journey, are usually foreign to us. Healthy things are foreign to us. Good things are foreign to us. And it puts us in a fight or flight mode, makes us want to run away, go the other way. Avoid it at all costs. We cannot operate that way. Get yourself out of that. When you feel like you want to run away or you're trying to avoid the situation or avoid the emotion or avoid the, the, the situation altogether, stay there. You stay in it. You deal with it. The next one is what we've been talking about a lot in this episode is not associating an event with being bad. But just understanding that the person who mishandled whatever the event may have been and the person who misused or abused that action is what was bad. Not the event and not all people in general, just that person. Learning to get out of associating certain events and actions as being bad and just leaving them with that person who mishandled them. Whether that's somebody who wasn't responding for a few hours and really was cheating it wasn't the event that was bad as what, as what they were doing and mishandling that is what was bad. Whether it's somebody who flipped their phone face side down because they were texting other people and didn't want you to know, it wasn't the action of them turning their phone over that's bad. It's what they were doing with the action behind it that was bad. That's what I mean by not associating events with bad things and just leaving the bad things with the person who mishandled them and not associating any of that with just people in general leaving it with that person 
also not associating somebody wanting you to be vulnerable as bad. Because whenever you tried to when you were younger, it wasn't handled the right way. And realizing that, you leave that with that person. Don't bring that with this person. The act of being vulnerable is not bad. The act of showing emotions is not bad. Whoever didn't care for it misused that and mishandled it. But the act isn't bad. This new person isn't bad. So that's what that means. Learning to rewrite that in your brain and and work on that. And with that, kind of to generalize it for people, it's just overall learning that healthy habits and behaviors are not bad and should not be um, a threat to you and should not bring out bad responses in you. Healthy communication doesn't always look like talking to each other all day long. Healthy relationships and mature ones don't involve being on FaceTime or texting every day, all day. There's healthy space there. And that needs to be okay. Healthy relationships involve being vulnerable with each other and showing every part of you and and showing emotion and knowing that it's safe to. And that's actually my next one, is knowing it's safe to actually show emotions. I know that the people in your past may have made you tough or made you feel like your emotions didn't matter or made you feel like you couldn't have them. And then the people you chose along the way did the same thing. But just know that the act of showing emotions is safe and secure and healthy. Being numb and emotionless is not healthy. It's not, it's not good. Know that this person is not that person who made you feel like this. Knowing that the act is not bad. It was the person who mishandled it. So knowing that it's safe to actually show emotions. We have to understand that. Again, knowing that physical touch, the act of it, is not bad. Whoever misused and mishandled and abused that in the past was bad. People aren't bad. Physical touch isn't bad. Anything that somebody mishandled or abused or misused over the years, leave it with that person. Don't think all people get put in that category and that the actual act and event is bad. That is the biggest takeaway from this. And that will kind of trickle into everything else that I just listed out. Showing emotions is good. Being vulnerable is great. Um, letting somebody see your full self and, and know it's safe to show emotion. Um, communicating through things versus shutting down. All of those things are so healthy and so great for you. And you deserve all of that. And it will make for the best relationships in your life. And it'll, have, it'll make for the best relationship with yourself. Because you can't have great relationships with anybody until you learn to love yourself and have a great relationship with yourself first. And to wrap this up, and to wrap the entire episode up, I just, you know, per usual, just want to say a couple of things as just takeaways. We have to give ourselves, and, and I'll say it this way, we have to let reparenting look like giving ourselves everything we didn't get when we were kids, from our parents and everything we didn't give ourselves later in life because of our trauma, we have to let reparenting look like giving ourselves everything we didn't get that is going to allow us to be our healthiest, best selves. And no, when I say that, I am not referring to material things because a lot of people, when they say, I'm giving myself everything I didn't get when I was a kid or from my parents, I'm giving my kids everything that, they didn't, that I didn't have, all you guys ever mean is material things and money. No. 
mind you, I understand wanting to give yourself and your children a stable um, household and environment and a, having financial stability, of course. But I don't mean material things right now because that's not going to help you be your best, healthiest self. What I re- am referring to is showing up for yourself emotionally. Letting yourself feel things and know it's okay to feel. It's okay to be emotional. It's okay to cry. Not having to feel like you have to be numb or emotionless or hold it all in. To show up for yourself and make your needs matter. To show up for yourself by picking the right people now who are going to pour right back into you and let you be vulnerable and show up for you and care about you and care, you know, and tend to your needs and, and care about the things you've been through and, and, and also validate your feelings. That's what it looks like. Showing up for yourself and giving yourself everything you didn't get from your parents, whether that was they didn't emotionally care for you the way that they should have or they didn't tend to your needs the way that they should have or they weren't present to, to, to give you that. Being present with yourself and your situation and bettering it is also showing up for yourself and just being present in general. Everything you didn't get when you were a child, that's what reparenting looks like. Everything you didn't get all these years, that's what reparenting looks like is giving yourself that, rewriting that, putting that in your life now. That's also what this looks like. Because again, and this is not to be offensive to any of our parents, love you all, you were parenting us the best way you could, and you learned what you've seen from your parents. But I'm just trying to break the generational curse here and start a positive domino effect, and it starts with us. Because if we don't change some of these things and rewrite them, we're going to parent our children the same way. And then they're going to do the same thing to theirs, and so on and so forth. We have to change this. We got to start this. We have to change and start showing our kids the proper way to show, to show up for them emotionally and to let them feel things and let them be emotional and know it's okay. We have to show our kids it's okay to be vulnerable and open up. We have to show our kids that interdependence is healthy and they don't have to do everything on their own. We have to show our kids that working with others is far greater than always having to feel like you got to do things by yourself. We have to show our kids that being kind and being better people and not letting trauma ruin us and and carry over is the right thing to do and it's healthy. We have to show our kids healthy behaviors. Because if we don't change this within ourselves, all we're going to do is parent them the same way we were parented. And a lot of our parents, like I've said before, parented us the way that they did and we probably got a lot of trauma from it because they were operating out of trauma and never did this part to fix it. So now it's on us. We have to change this or it's just going to keep trickling. It's just going to keep trickling and that's not healthy and that's not what we would, I would imagine we would want for ourselves or our kids. Show them healthy relationships with yourself and with your partner. Show them what it looks like to work with others. Show them what it looks like to be vulnerable. Let them be vulnerable to you and you to them. Show them what it looks like to communicate and not shut down. Show them what it looks like to to be emotional and validate feelings versus telling them to shut up or deal with it or tighten up. Show them what it looks like to be present and not just come in and out when you feel like it because now you're teaching them that inconsistency is okay. Be present in your children's lives to show them that you care and that you're here 
Sometimes presence is all kids need. It's just for you to be there because the lack of creates a whole lot of issues later. So again, I'm not telling you how to be a parent. I'm telling us how to fix it and be better so then it doesn't trickle onto our kids of what trickled onto us. That's also what reparenting looks like is fixing ourselves, giving ourselves everything we didn't get, rewriting things so that it can be better with our kids or just so it can be better with ourselves. Even if you don't plan to have kids, it can be better with us and you never know who that might trickle off into within your friend groups and your family like we've already talked about before. So that's what that looks like. And so I hope that you guys are able to take something from this. This was a very deep episode, but I hope you were able to take something from this episode. Like I said, anybody just now tuning in, I would really advise you to go back and listen to all the episodes, <laughs> but especially episode six, part one and two and episode seven for it to all kind of come together. But I hope you guys enjoyed and um, I hope you guys have a great start to your week. Love you guys and see you in a couple of weeks. You've been listening to True Talk Podcast with Bree Trudell. Thanks for listening to the show. We hope you had fun. We know we did. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, you can hook up with us on Instagram. Remember, True has three U's at underscore True Talk Podcast. On Apple Podcast and Spotify at True Talk Podcast. And on Facebook at True Talk. Till next time. Maya Angelo once said, if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude.